0: Today, uh, dear friends, we're going to look at the uh, question of uh, apostolic succession, since it's important, I think, for us to grasp the link that the Church of today has with the Church of the past and understand, well, that uh, there must be a unity between the the two realities. So while we previously looked at the institution of the papacy and showed you how it's uh, historically and uh, biblically founded, today we going to look a little bit at this whole notion of uh, apostolic succession in order to grasp its importance uh, in relation to the church of today. So in the creed uh, we recite, I believe, in one holy catholic and apostolic church. Those are that, those one holy catholic and apostolic, are the uh, the four marks of the church, there are four positive marks, which when all four are present uh, will tell us, that there is present the uh, the one true church founded uh, by our Lord, and, and this uh, this apost- this, uh, this uh, notion of apostolic uh, is uh, related to this question of apostolic succession, since the the church uh, that Christ founded must be able uh, uh, to trace her doctrine, her orders, and her mission to uh, to the apostles of our Lord. And so it's by this uh, apostolic succession uh, that we we refer to, uh, and, and by it we mean namely that lawful succession of the hierarchy from the apostles by means of orders validly received, while simultaneously having transmitted the same faith uh, that was held by the apostles. And so it's in this concrete form uh, that apostolic succession is... Uh, In practice, we could say the uh, unbroken line of bishops stretching back to the apostles who held communion uh, with uh, St. Peter. Why we can ask ourselves, why is this point so necessary? Well, it's what St. Paul points out uh, in his letter to the Romans. not enough uh, that that the priest be ordained and that he preach, but that he must uh, be sent. And that's why St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans, how shall they preach unless they are sent? And it's what the, the prophet Jeremiah, in, in the word speaking in the mouth of the peace of God, sir, laments in the Old Testament. He says, I, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, and yet they prophesied. In other words, it's what St. Paul points out in the New Testament uh, in his letter to the Hebrews. No man should uh, take honor of the priesthood upon himself, but he that is called by God, as Aaron was, and they are called by God, by the the formal uh, voice of the Church. In other words, it's by this apostolic succession that we are to know the true Church from all uh, false uh, uh, counterfeit claimants uh, uh, by means of this uh, reality of there being a perpetual and uninterrupted succession from the apostles in their doctrine, in their mission, and in their orders. The apostolic succession uh, makes manifest the, we can say, organic connection between the Church today and the Church of the Apostles. If a a Church cannot trace its history back by an unbroken line, step by step from the present uh, to the Apostles, then we can say it's not uh, the true Church. And commenting and explaining this point, the Catechism of the Council of Trent uh, states very well for us that uh, all therefore might know, uh, which was the Catholic Church, the Fathers, guided by the Spirit of God, added to the creed the word apostolic. For the Holy Ghost, who presides over the Church, governs her by no other ministers than uh, those of apostolic succession. So you can see uh, its importance in grasping the true Church from the false Church. But here I think there is important to make a, a, a very clear distinction as regards the, uh, the Apostles and their successors. So the primary role of the apostles was to tell us what the faith is uh, what, what our Lord uh, instructed them, what the Holy Ghost inspired them to explain to their primary role was to give us the faith the truth the doctrine that they received from our Lord, so their primary role was to give us this what we call the sacred deposit of the faith So if you want comparing it like to a, a treasure chest of gold to tell us uh, to give us their primary role was to give us this a treasure chest of gold, and we this we call the deposit of the faith, which is all the truths necessary uh, for us for salvation. And that deposit, is like it was completed, uh, we say, at the death of uh, Saint John the Evangelist, who was the last of the apostles to to die. the The successors of the apostles, their primary role is not to give us or to tell us uh, uh, what the, the deposit of the faith is, because that was already done by the Apostles. Their, their role is to uh, simply hand on that sacred deposit of the faith that was communicated to, to the Church from the Apostles. Their role is to teach it, to clarify it, and to expound on it, uh, but they have no authority to undermine it, go against it or replace it with their own ideas. This would make them reprehensible, if you want, or schismatic or heretical, depending on their own degree of departure from that deposit. The Church Fathers explained to us from a very early time, uh, and we were quite unanimous on this point, that, uh, namely that uh, it was clear uh, for the early Christians uh, as to determine how to, to know the true Church from any uh, counterfeit sect, simply trace uh, the apostolic succession of the claimant: Did the teaching and the teachers come down from the apostles and the legitimate successors? If yes, then it's the true church. If not, then it's uh, this is a counterfeit uh, church. And we're going to expound this point later on when we look at the notion of the magisterium. The the Catholic notion of apostolic succession, however, does not mean that all the successors of the apostles have the same authority as that of the Apostles. I'm going to explain what I mean here. Because the Apostles were themselves given a particular gift, particular prerogative, uh, which granted all the Apostles a universal jurisdiction. However, the successors of the Apostles, uh, with the exception of one, that is the uh, the um, uh, the Bishop of Rome, the, the Pope, uh, all the other uh, successors of the Apostles are limited in their jurisdiction. Whereas the, the Pope alone has what we call uh, universal jurisdiction over uh, the whole church and over uh, the entire uh, episcopate. Nevertheless, the bishops do govern their own diocese, not only as delegates of the Pope, but as true successors uh, of the Apostles. And that's why St. Paul will say already early on in the church, take heed to yourselves, and he's referring to the bishops, and to the whole flock wherein the Holy Ghost has placed you bishops, to rule the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. The proper notion then of apostolic succession refers not merely to the mere material passing on of sacred orders, just uh, merely being ordained, but to the passing on of orders and unity with the Holy See, where, from uh, which all pastors receive their legitimate mission to continue on the work of the Church. Apostolic succession then, in its formal sense, implies, by its very nature, a unity with the Holy See, and in a unity of faith uh, with the Church. Otherwise, there's no true and formal sense of apostolic succession. So, for example, you have the, the uh, schismatic orthodox who do have valid bishops and valid priests, but we, we do not say that they have um, apostolic succession in its uh, uh, true sense. And this is Father Schultz, in his well-known text, The Ecclesia, explains that the note of apostolicity is the charism and proper uh, property of the church by which it continued through a legitimate public and never-interrupted succession of pastors from the apostles in identity of faith, worship, and discipline. Uh, And this is uh, what we mean by the formal sense of apostolic succession. In conclusion on this note, I just want to quote the beautiful words of Pope Leo XIII in his uh, Bono Encyclical Satis Cognitum, who explains uh, uh, this uh, reality of uh, apostolic succession in relation uh, to the church. When uh, the divine founder, he says, decreed that the church should be one in faith, in government and in communion, he chose Peter and his successors as the principal and center, as it were, of this unity. No one, therefore, unless in communion with Peter, can share his authority, since it's absurd to imagine that he who is outside can command in the church. But the episcopal order is rightly judged to be in communion with Peter as Christ commanded. If it be subject to and obey this Peter, otherwise it is necessarily becomes a lawless and disorderly crowd. And so, uh, instructed and encouraged by this beautiful doctrine of ours, it is good for us, in the midst of the storm that we see ourselves in today, uh, to be encouraged in our devotion, our love for the Church, and to be egged on in our prayer for uh, the, the clergy, for the Sovereign Pontiff, who have certainly before God a, a, a great responsibility. So let us uh, pray for them in these uh, terrible times in which we live. Amen.